me, he said, you know, he said, you need to keep going, going back and teaching the thing. He said, not everybody gets it the first time. He said, you didn't. I said, yes, sir, you're right. He said, so, you know, don't let the devil intimidate you at, at, at concerning teaching and ministering the word, administering the same thing. And uh, so I, you know, I received correction from that. So we're going to come back here and, and look at this again. But we're talking about unmovable faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start there. And uh, this, this chapter here is really a history, but it also is probably one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the Bible in that when we read this first verse here, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It, a lot of people just, when they hear that, they well, what's that mean? What, what really does that mean? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, the, when you do a, do a research in the, in the Hebrew, or the Greek rather, this word substance it, it really describes a faith that is standing by things hoped for. All right? It's faith is standing by things hoped for. This is not really a description of what faith is. It's really a description of how faith behaves. It's the behavior of faith. Now we call, you know, in, in Christian circles, we call this the faith chapter, but it's really a description of how faith behaves. Because if you don't behave the way faith does, you, you're going to have a lot of trouble in your life. So faith is the substance, is, is basically breaks down to faith is standing by things hoped for. But hope here is not the world's version of hope. It's it really this this Greek word hope here, it describes someone that is expecting something and they're reaching out into the future, grasping it and pulling it to them. Okay, so you, you've got to see it. Faith is standing by hope, and standing by and standing are are, are are standing by hope in a way such that. I call it bulldog faith. It's standing by in that it's unmovable, unbendable, unbreakable faith. It, it can't be moved. It can't be broken. It can't be bent. It stays the same. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. And it, it's reaching to the future holding and embracing hope, biblical hope, the promise of God, and pulling it to itself right now. So it, you see, it starts to describe the behavior of faith, not really the description of faith. There's a difference. And so many times this has been taught, this is the description of faith. No, no, it's the behavior of faith. It's how faith behaves. Because if you don't behave this way, you're going to see... Things are going to be different for you. And this is, where, this is where good, godly people miss it. And you'll always hear somebody will, will have the response, I don't understand why God didn't do it for them. It's real simple. They didn't behave in faith. 
they didn't understand how faith behaves. Faith is not where you go to church at. Faith is, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not that you have a Bible in your house or you call yourself a Christian. It's not. Faith has a behavior, and that's what we want to look at today. So it says here, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So see, faith is, a, is like a bulldog, and I, I use it bulldog because, you know, a bulldog, you give a bulldog a bone, and that bulldog grabs a hold of it. And he's not turning loose of it no matter what. You can take that bone, reach to the side of that dog's mouth, and you can literally drag that dog around the, the entire house. He's not turning loose. It's his bone. He's not going to relinquish that bone. And that's really what this is describing, how faith behaves. It's unmovable, unbendable, unbreakable. It's not going to be moved. And it's not going to look at the things that it sees. No matter what. So it changes. See, right now, what it's, what it's saying is, it's saying that you're going to have to act differently than everybody else out there and probably about 90% of the Christian people out there because they don't understand this. They don't understand what faith really is. They think it's just whether they go to church, if they preach the Bible, or if they read the Bible and things. No, no, no. That's, that's part of it, but that's not what faith is. It's a behavior. Faith acts differently. So it says that they... It, it's, the, it's standing and embracing the things hoped for, the evidence of things not even seen, even though you don't see it. Now let's go ahead to verse 2. And it says this. I'm going to have to remove my jacket. I thought it was going to be cool enough today in here. No. It says, for it. For what? For, for, for this behavior of faith. The elders obtained a good report. Who are the elders? The elders are all the Old Testament saints. Because that's what this, this, this chapter is going to describe. It's going to describe the elders in the church, how they obtained the promises of God. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. By what? Their behavior of faith. How they behave. They didn't look at the things saw, what they saw. It didn't matter what was seen. It didn't. What mattered was what God had said to them. So let's move through here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, here's where it gets kind of tricky. Because a lot of people, when you read this, you think, you think this particular verse is talking about God creating the world and the worlds. But see, when at, it takes further study because you've got to get down into these words and break them down what they really mean in the original, in this case, in the original Greek. Now, let's, let's look here. Through faith. What kind of faith? Unmovable, unbendable, unbreakable faith. We understand. 
And that word understand, actually what it says is we observe. We have observed. We don't just understand, we have observed that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And I might say that it says framed by the word of God. That phrase, the word of God, is actually, it says, by a word from God. There's a difference. A word from God. What have we been teaching here? The most important relationship you have is what? Your heavenly relationship with the Father. Because out of that comes everything. Out of that comes this kind of faith. It says that the worlds were framed by the word from God. So somebody, all these elders got a word from God and all these things happened. Now, he's not talking about the worlds as, in far, as far as the planets go. Well, you'll see that because that wouldn't make any sense. He's talking about the elders obtaining a good report and how faith behaves. Then go back at the very beginning, that breaks the flow. That's, that's not, and then he's going to talk about the elders? No. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense that way. It's not really fluid. So what we see is through faith we observe that the worlds. Now this word worlds does not mean, it's not the Greek word cosmos. If it was cosmos, it would be worlds. But it's a different word that's used here. It's a, it's a word that actually is ionis, and it's, it speaks of a specific period of time. We could say an age, a decade, a century, a millennial, a certain time. So we see it this way, that through faith, what kind of faith? Unbendable, unbreakable, immovable. We observe that through periods of time, through periods of time, they were framed by a word from God. Now let's look at that word framed. That word framed here, what it means literally is it, it describes something that was taken, it was already in existence, and was remolded. It's almost like what you would describe a potter doing. You know, a potter will, uh, will get a lump of clay and mold it and put it on, his wheel, on the wheel and spin the wheel. And then he molds it into a piece. And when he's done, he looks at it and he says, ah, it's not quite what I want. He doesn't throw the clay away. He takes the clay, folds it back together again, reworks it, puts it back on the wheel, and redoes it. That's what this word is saying. So we, you understand now, we say, through faith, bulldog faith, we observe that periods of time, periods of time were taken and molded, were, re, were, were adjusted, and actually changed by a word from God. Now you start to get to see the understanding of what's, what this is talking about. Faith, it's is an observation of how faith acts, what it does. All right? And then it goes on here. It says that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Because what? Things were changed. So what this verse is describing is the elders of the church, by their faith, by their unmovable, unbendable, unbreakable faith, they changed periods of times, literally. 
They literally changed periods of time. They had an effect in their cities, in their homes, because what? They were not, they were not movable. They weren't bendable. They weren't breakable. By it, by what? This type of faith, the elders obtained a good report. What about everybody else? They didn't obtain a good report. Why? Because they didn't know how faith acted. They didn't know how faith behaved. Amen? So we look here. Let's go on here. It says, let's drop down here into verse 5. It says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Now, Enoch is a, is a, is a unique character. There's not very many. I think there's like five verses in the Bible that talk about Enoch. Enoch has this relationship with the father, and he actually gives birth, you know, has a son named Methuselah. Now, y'all know Methuselah was the oldest person in the Bible, lived the longest period of time. But God spoke to him and gave him a vision. He saw that judgment was coming. And God spoke to Enoch and told him that judgment was coming. And God also said to Enoch, but you won't, you won't face death. So Enoch has Methuselah, and it's 300 years before God takes Enoch out. He translates him out. How many of you have waited for 300 years for something? Not a one in here. So see, the, the, the example here is don't think that what you've been believing God for is a long time because it's not. The elders had to, they, they did wait longer. Somebody has always waited longer for what you're believing God for. Don't give up. Don't be unmovable. Don't be a breakable. All right? Don't quit. Don't quit. Faith does not quit. Faith gets up and does the right thing. Even when, when, when it's missed, what faith does, it gets back up and says, okay, I was wrong. I repent, Lord. I'm going to do it the right way now and makes a change. What are they doing? They're changing times. They're changing seasons because what we see does not have an effect in our lives. We're not moved by what we see. The Bible probably said, well, we look not at what we see because what we see is all temporary. I think Paul had a revelation on this. He understood that what we see is temporary. Why? Because it's subject to you and me. We can change it, what you see. If you'll be like that bulldog, you'll be unmovable, unbendable, unbreakable. But if you quit and you throw in the towel and you settle for something, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So we see that with Enoch. He waited 300 years. Let's go on here to another one. Verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith. All right, so you think of faith as you either have it or you don't. No, that's not what this word without means. It doesn't mean either with faith or without faith. It really, without, it means outside of faith. The Greek word breaks down outside of faith. So it'd be kind of like you being in, in your home. You're either in your home or you're out of your home. You can't be both. You can't be in your home and out of your home. Why? It's impossible. So what this, tell, what this scripture tells us 
is faith has a destination. Faith has a place. Where is that place? It's based on the word that you heard from God. You know, as I, was, as I was meditating on this, the Lord brought me back. He said, remember, Pastor, the first message I ever had you preach? I'll never forget it. It was about places were important. That was my first message. I gave it at, at Oasis Church. Places are important. And since then, I've always, I've kind of touched on that, but here it, it has changed. Because places are important. If you're not in the place God told you to be, you're outside of faith. Because place, faith has a destination. It has a place. And what hap has happened with a lot of believers over the years is they've left the place that God spoke to them and said, this is where I want you. Why? Because at that place is where God's going to feed you. He's going to speak his word to you. He's going to give you revelation about your destiny, about the things that he has for you. And if you're not there, you're out of place. And whose fault is it? It's not God's. The word tells us, outside of faith, it's impossible to please him not going to happen. So you can be a really good person. You can try to follow this book as, as, as best as you can. Try to do what the Word says. And you be outside of faith, outside of where God's told you, where He's spoken to you. And I've had people do that over the years. I've had people come into this church and say, God told me to come here. A month later, two months later, they're gone. Um, Maybe they forgot that part where God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. If he tells you to be somewhere, you don't leave until he tells you it's time to go. Well, but what if, the, what if they made me mad? It doesn't matter that they made you mad. It doesn't matter. God told you this is where you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to be. If God told you to be a doctor and you choose to go and uh, work at a restaurant, Your life can be a disaster. Why? Because you're not doing what God told you to do. And you're, but I don't like being I don't like medicine stuff like that. I like working with food. Okay. You're not going to play. You're you're going to miss out on what God has for you. And we read the rest of this. You'll start to see it at the very end. Don't 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 because the the last part of it is the most important part. But you start seeing these things starting to come together. Outside of faith, it's impossible to please him. Look here in verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world. So what happened is, God speaks to Noah. God didn't speak to Noah's wife. God didn't speak to his family. God spoke to Noah. Nobody else told him to build an ark. Why? Because it's going to rain. What's that? What's rain? We've never had rain before. What's an ark? It's a big boat. What's a boat? Well, it's this thing that floats on what? what what's water? The people didn't understand. So you have to understand, Noah is, has got a word from God. 
his wife and his family have a choice to make. They can either trust that he's heard from God, or they can believe everybody else that says this guy's nuts. I mean, as you grew up, you remember there was always jokes about a certain race of people or, or uh, uh, from a certain part, particular part of the country or world. Imagine the Noah jokes that went around at that time. And Noah's wife had to say, Noah, are you sure you heard from God? Because she didn't. It, the Bible doesn't say she heard. It says Noah. Noah heard. He built an ark. His, his daughters and his, his sons-in-law had to believe that he heard from God. And they listened. They believed it. And they were all saved. And everybody else was destroyed. Let's go on looking at a few others. It says, uh, By faith Abram, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed. You know, when God spoke to Abram the first time, he was worshiping the moon. He's worshiping the moon. And God speaks to him and says, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And Noah, at the time, he's be beyond childbearing years. His wife is too. They haven't had any kids. So what does he do? He goes to the place that God tells him to leave. And what does he do? He gets Lot and he takes Lot with him. Why? Abraham and his wife take Lot because they don't have any children. They're believing that it's from Lot. They believe that they'll populate the world through Lot. That's why Lot went along. And then later on, what do they do? When Lot's gone, then Abram, Abram he, he, he gets, um, uh, what's her name? What? Not, my, mine went blank. Yeah. Anyway, he, yeah, he, gets, he gets Sarah's handmaiden. And, and, they, and, they, and, and they produce a child. It's not the promised one. Eventually, what's happening is Abraham's body is changing because he produces a child with this woman who's not part of the promise. It wasn't happening before, but now all of a sudden, it's the body's working because what? Of God's the promise. But they finally, they sooner or later, they get it together and they start to understand that it's going to be with Sarah, even though she's beyond childbearing years. And he believes the word that God spoke to him. He said, no, out of your loins will come the population of the world. And there'll be more people than there are stars in, in the heavens. And he believed God. By what? A word that was spoken to him. A word that was spoken to him. Let's go on to another one. It says uh, uh, in verse 11, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive. Seed was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So what happened? Sarah finally gets the revelation that what, what God spoke to Abraham, her husband, was the word from God. And she judged him faithful. So she starts to see the picture and what happened. They have a son. All right, let's go on here to another one. 
Um, let's go to verse 20. It says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both of his sons Joseph and worshipped and leaning upon the top of his staff. Jacob, who was given a promise by God, even when he's dying, he says, well, if I won't walk into it, my children will. He's leaning on a staff as he's dying, and he blesses his sons to go in and take it. Why? Because he's got bulldog faith. He's not giving up. He's not quitting. It's immovable, unbreakable, unbendable. He won't change. He's holding on to this faith. Let's go on here. It says, verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to the years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's. Why? Because he had a word from God. God called him and said, You're going to lead my people. You're going to deliver my people out of Egypt. So when he's called to be a son of Pharaoh, I mean, his life was going to be easy street then if he'd have just taken the son of Pharaoh. It was easy as it was. But he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because i got a word from God. I've got a word from God. Let's drop down here to another one here. Verse 35. It says this, by faith women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Look at what these saints did. They held on to faith so desperately, so bulldoggedly. Women received their dead. Why don't we have more people raised from the dead? Here it is right here. People don't know how to, they don't know how faith behaves. I've seen it. I've seen it with people that are faith people. That someone dies and they start they start preparing a funeral. Yeah. What what about this faith? What about this kind of faith? Unmovable, unbreakable, unbendable. Now, I'm not telling you, somebody's old and it's their time, you know, I, I'm talking about young people dying. Somebody gets cancer and they're young, and what does the church want to do? We want to send them to Disneyland. Wake up! That is not faith. That's contradicting faith. We need to get somebody in there to teach that child about faith and the family about faith so they can make a stand and they don't die. The church today, for the most part, it doesn't even know what faith is. And they want to question, why did God take my loved one home? He didn't! He didn't need your loved one in heaven. There's no sickness and no death there. There's no lack of anything in heaven. Your loved one died because of two reasons. A lack of knowledge and they rejected it. But you can't tell that to people. Because you might make people mad. 
But you know what? Sometimes people got to get mad before they wake up. But that's the truth. If somebody dies young, the reason why they died young wasn't because God needed them. Now, yes, he, if they're a Christian, he took them to heaven. But he didn't come to this earth to take your loved one at a young age to heaven because he needs them up there. He doesn't need them. Not when he promised you a long life through his word. All right? All right, let's go on here now. Let's go to chapter 12. And we start to see some of these things pulled over because what we saw in chapter 11 was the behavior of faith and how the old saints, the people in the Old Testament, obtained a good report. Now things are changing now. Now we come to chapter 12 here, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay, let's back up here to the first part. Wherefore, seeing, what does that mean? It means right now in the present. Right now in the present. Wherefore, we see, because we're seeing into the realm of the Spirit, we are also compassed about. Now that word compassed about. It means to look around. And look around and see that there are stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of witnesses. And it says it here, it says, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, let's break some of those words down. That word great depicts a special group of people. Not just everybody. Not just everybody that went to heaven. This great cloud of witness, special cloud of witnesses stacked upon stacked upon stacked upon stacked. They're observing. And what are they observing? They're the ones in the past that stood in faith. So people that died and went to heaven, they didn't stand in faith. They're, they're not in this cloud. They're not in this. This cloud of witnesses surrounding you and me is what it's talking about. They're watching you. They're observing you to see that you'll stand unmovable, unbreakable, unbendable. Because what? They did it too. They're cheering us on. They're cheering you on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Stand on the Word of God. Stand on it. Don't be moved. Don't break. And it uses this word, a cloud. This word, cloud, it depicts a, a word in, the, in, in, in biblical times. If you were to go to a, a, um, a stadium and you were the last one in, all right, and you all almost all the tickets were sold except for just a few tickets left at the very, very top of the stadium. They said, You have a ticket in the clouds. So, what this is depicting is we are compassed around. Look around you, they're all around you, stacked upon stacked upon stacked upon stacked, all the way to the top. And they're watching you, they're cheering you on to not give up, to not quit. To not change your mind. Why? It's easy to do that. 
Anybody can quit. Anybody can throw in the towel. And, and, and you know, your flesh will even justify why you're throwing in the towel. But faith doesn't. Faith understands. I've got a hold of this thing. I'm not letting it go. It's a promise of God. And I've got a word from God. I've got a word from God. When I, you know, I, I gave you my testimony when I got cancer. And uh, they, they diagnosed me with cancer. I went home and I prayed and I talked to God about it. And God spoke to me. He said, Michael, in 30 days this will all be gone. What am I holding on to now? 30 days this is all over with. Doctors, you do what you got to do. But in 30 days this is gone because that's the word I got from heaven. That's what I'm holding on to. Without a word, you don't have anything. You don't have faith to stand on. So he says, Seeing we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Now we want to look at this here a little bit. He says, let us lay aside every weight. Everything, that anything in your life that, that slows you down, the Word is telling you that you and me, we have to set it aside. And this word lay aside is the word that actually describes the act of a person taking off their clothes at the end of the day. And how do you take off your clothes? You don't just stand in front of the mirror and say, okay, clothes, get off me. No, you do it one button at a time, one layer at a time. Sometimes when you've got a shirt like this, you've got to push the button through the hole, and it may even cut the blood off to your, 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 your finger. But what do you do? You do it very carefully, very slowly. And that's what he's saying. You, not God, he's saying you and me, we need to lay aside every weight that slows us down. What is that? That's something that is interfering with your walk with God. It, it's, not, it, it's not necessarily evil things. It's just things that are getting in the way because what happens is You'll find, you're about to find out here. There's a reason why the writer is telling you to set these things aside because it's interfering with your faith and your walk. And then he goes on to say this, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now he says this, he says, the sin that, that and really, when it describes this word sin, it describes something that you're comfortable with. Something that you have gotten used to over a period of time and, and it's almost like it's your friend. You don't really see anything that wrong with it. But God's been dealing with you with it over a period of time, a long period. You know it's not right, but you're just real comfortable with it. He's saying, and the sin... He didn't say sins. Everybody has one. That's why he says sin. One particular sin that holds a person back. Because one person, it, 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 it might be hunger, it might be food. Another person, it might be anger. Another one, it might be sex. Another one, it might be money. 
Everybody has, is, is different. So each person has their own particular sin. And he's saying, he's, in, he's, he's asking, pleading, set aside, set it aside. Put it aside. Because it is the sin that so easily besets us. And it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, it's interesting, this, this phrase here, let us run. That word, let us run, means it's, it describes an act of someone stepping out and their feet running with such power that they never touch the ground. Speedily. Quickly. It says, let us run with patience. With patience. Why? Because you have to be patient. You have to be patient in your race because it, if you don't see a manifestation in a short period of time, you can't give up. You've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. Let's look here. He says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, athletes, when they go into a stadium to run a race, they go there to run the race and when they start the race, they don't say, okay, well, we need to set a course because we need to have a course set up so that we know how to run. No, the course is already set. It's already in place. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, let us run with patience the race that is already set before you. God's already got your plan for your life set before you. It's prearranged. All you have to do is run it. we start to see the importance of places. Because if you're not in the right place, how can you run the race? You can't. You can't. Many people, many people on the planet today don't even realize God's waiting for them to get to the course. He's already got the course laid out, but they're not, they're not at the course. They're off, they're off here doing something else. They're, they're doing something else. They might, well, they might be Christians, but they're, they're, not hit, they're not getting the word. But I want to back up here um, to this cloud of witnesses. Yes, this word witnesses, I, I almost forgot, I, my note, I saw it in my notes. This word witnesses <clears throat> is actually the Greek word martyred. Martyred. Now, it's not what you think it means. But what it, 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 in a way it is. Because what it speaks of is people, witnesses that died to themselves. See, in order to run this race, you're going to have to die to yourself. You'll, you'll have to die to yourself. You'll have to die to things of this world in order to run this race. In order to have this kind of faith, there's things you have to die to yourself. God's not going to do it for you. You have to do it. And that's what he's talking about. Let us run with patience this race that is set before us. Now, let's go back here to Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. Just flip a page. If you got your Bible, it just should be the next, the next page. And it says here in chapter 10, verse, let's look at verse 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which 
after you were eliminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. That word elimination means after you were given a word from God, you were eliminated. You were illuminated. See, because when you got a word from God, uh, you're different than everybody else. Because here's what happens. And we'll read it here in the next verse. When you have a word from heaven, you are not like everybody else. You are not like most Christians. Because most Christians are taught that God doesn't even speak to people today. Yeah, it comes from the pulpits. God does not speak to people like he did in the old... I'm sorry, but the, my Bible says he does. He said, my people know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they'll not, they'll not follow. He didn't say anything about something else. My people know my, my moving. No, he said, my people know my voice. It's spoken. It's a word. It's a word. And a lot of times when God speaks to you, it's a word. It's not a big, long story. My gosh, we have trouble handling one word. How could we handle a story? God gives you one word. And that's what you hold on to. So he says, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions because people are going to come against you. He says, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock. A gazing stock. The Greek word for gazing stock is theateron, which is where we get the word theater. So after you were illuminated by a word from God, people are watching you, and you told them that God spoke to you, now all of a sudden you have everybody's attention. They want to see if, what, if you're nuts. And they really believe you're nuts. They think you've lost it. But they're still watching. And they're really there to see the whole show, what happens with you. Because as you stand with bold or great faith, you're immovable, unbreakable, unbendable. You're not being moved. And you come out on the other side when the manifestation fully happens, now they'll come to you. And they'll want to know what you know. But see, when you ain't got a word from heaven, ain't nobody watching you. Ain't nobody following you. Ain't nobody making fun of you. Why? Because you're just like them. You're just like them. You've heard this before. I've heard, I've heard unbelievers say that. Why should I go to church and be just like those people? They got a point. They got a point. Why? Because most churches they go to, the people in there act just like them. They were out Saturday night getting drunk, getting stoned, doing drugs and everything, and now Sunday morning they're at church. Why do I want to go to church? They do that. They're not going to come in. But see, when you're different because you've got a word from heaven, you talk differently. You walk differently. You act differently. You dress differently. You look differently. You're, you're, you're a work in progress. But see, the people are watching you and they're seeing you change. You ain't like what you were five years ago. You're not like what you were ten years ago. And matter of fact, some of you, most of you in here are new, but you know what? 
a year from now, you ain't going to be like you are today. You keep coming here, you're not going to be like you are today. You're going to change, because not because of me, but because of the Word of God. The illumination of the light of God shining on you is going to bring change into your life. Let's look here. Let's go back to um, um, Hebrews 12 again. I think we may be done. No, 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 we're not. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus despised the cross. He did not want to go to the cross. He despised it. But for the joy that was set before him, what joy? The joy that we would be saved. That he would have a relationship with his people. That's what he focused on. He didn't focus on the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. He said in the garden, Father, if there's any other way, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. With such intensity, he was bleeding through his flesh. And they say the only way that that happens is when somebody is put under such extreme pressure that their blood starts flowing through their skin. Well, yeah. He didn't want to go to the cross. Father, if there's any other way to do this, nevertheless, thy will be done. Now, let's go back here to uh, one scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Did you get something today? Unmovable faith. It's how faith behaves. I want you, I, listen to this message. Get it. It'll be on Spotify and you can get the CD. I can't remember. iHeart. We're on iHeart Radio or whatever that is. Chris will have it loaded up probably as soon as we get done today. There he is. iHeart, Podbean, Spotify. Those are the three we, our messages are on. Listen to it over and over again. This is probably one of the most important messages you'll ever hear on faith. I'm not saying because of me. I, because it's not me. If, if God didn't show, I cheated. God told me. You know, if he didn't tell me, I wouldn't be able to give this to you. I didn't dream this up on my own. It comes from heaven. But this is one of the most important messages. You're there in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's look here at this word in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Why? Because in order to to stand in faith, it's a fight. It's a fight. Because you're not going to be able to look at the things that you see. You're going to have to get that bulldog faith. You're going to have to be unmovable, unbendable, unbreakable. It's a fight. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called. Now, I'm going to say something about that. You think eternal life is what, what you get when you die. No. No, 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 no. Eternal life started the moment you gave your life to Jesus. Yeah. See, you've been lied to. You've been not told the truth for a long time. The truth is, when you gave your life to Jesus, you stepped, you're a new creation. Right? Isn't that what the word says? You're a new creation. What? 
You're an eternal creation now. That's why a Christian, when a true Christian dies, they experience death differently than an unbeliever. Because you just step out of this body. There's no pain. It's just, you step out. Whereas an unbeliever, great fear. They feel the flames of hell licking them, pulling them down, calling them to their eternal rest, which is hell. We don't experience that. We don't experience that at all. But see, you've got to get a revelation that eternal life started when you gave your life to Jesus. It doesn't start when you, go, when you leave this body. It starts right now when you gave your life to Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called. And you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Before many witnesses. See, the witnesses in heaven are they're witness, they're, they're watching you, they're encouraging you, they're saying, stand on the word, don't quit, don't break, don't be moved, don't bend. Stand on the word. Believe God. There's not a one up there that didn't stand and believe. I mean, there's people in heaven that, that didn't, and they're, they're there in heaven. That doesn't mean they didn't get there. It's, they're not in this cloud. The only people in this cloud of witnesses are the saints that went before us, that stood actually in literally faith and they fought the good fight and they professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's look here at the next verse. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickens all things before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed the good profession. Pilate said, Are you the king of the Jews? What's he questioning? He's questioning who he is. He's trying to get Jesus to say, No, I'm not. Because if he could have got him to say, No, he wasn't, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. Jesus professed a good profession knowing that it, all he had to do was back down a little bit and he would not have to go to that cross. But he professed a good profession. I'm the king of the Jews. I'm the son of God. Put him to the cross. See, he died to himself. You're, there's things in your life you're going to have to die to, I'm telling you. You want faith. You want to believe God for things. You want to see things changed in your home, in your, in your physical life, and in your home and your family. This is what you do. You don't get upset when all hell breaks loose around you and start cursing people and complaining about people being bad and all. No, 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 that's not faith. That's not faith. That's not a good profession. That's a bad profession. That stops faith from moving because you now stepped outside of faith. You're no, you're no long, at that moment, you're no longer in faith. What do you got to do then? You repent. Father, forgive me. I should have said that. I should have done that. I ask for forgiveness, 
And your, your word says that if I ask for forgiveness, you're faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I'm stepping back into faith. I shouldn't have said that. What I said was wrong. What are you doing? You're, 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 spraying, you're spraying weed killer on your unfaithful words. So they don't come, they don't come to fruition. What a lot of people do is they just make a change, but they, they don't do anything about the words they've spoken. So guess what? They grow up and they start producing in abundance. I don't know about you, but I want things of faith in abundance. Amen? So just as Jesus professed a good profession, you'll have to do the same thing. You'll have to die to things. That's why you're called disciples. Discipleship is teaching people to die to themselves. We all have to learn it. I'm still learning it. Still, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. It doesn't stop, it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop. You make a mistake, you repent. Now, last night during prayer, I, I seen the altar open up here. And I've seen it in a different way. And I believe it's for today. Th this whole floor right here opened up and it was just, it was water. It was all water. And the Lord showed me, he said, as the people come up and stand at the altar, I'm washing them with the water of the word. So what will happen is it will change how they think. See, that's how you bring change into your life. You study the Word, you read the Word. That washing of the water by the Word, it changes you. doesn't make you perfect. It's a process to get there. But it brings change in you. It's washing you. And I've never seen that before. I mean, it was just, it was pretty, like a baby blue water. A baby blue water. And as the people came up, they stood, and that water just cleansed them. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to lay hands on you, but if you, if you feel led to, come on up here right now as we dismiss people from Facebook. Come on up and just stand here and, and just worship the Lord. And uh, God's going to bring some changes in your life.